0: Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast.
1: Welcome to a new episode of 49ers Talk on NBCSportsBayArea.com. Introducing your hosts, 49ers insider Matt Mayoko and 49ers host Laura Britt. This is 49ers Talk brought to you by Big O' Tires. Laura, I I think back to a week. I remember asking Nick Bosa how he felt about that game in Seattle, and he said, we blew it. And Nick Bosa's a man of few words, but he seems to nail it, you know, 95% of the time with just being very succinct and to the point. I asked him the same question, and he said, Sunday night in Cincinnati, we almost blew it. And boy, are the 49ers very happy that there's an almost in there.
0: Yeah, he was a big part of the reason they didn't blow it, and that was because in overtime he sacks Joe Burrow on a third and three uh, the Bengals were, had their backs against the wall and that forces them to kick a field goal. And so then overtime can continue and the 49ers, of course, go down, score a touchdown. Brandon Ayuk with the overtime touchdown to win the game. 26-23 was the final in Cincinnati. The 49ers now seven and six on the season. But yes, it was way too close for comfort. Although I do think there are some benefits to them having played in this type of a game and coming out victorious. A lot of times this season... That has not been the case when they struggle in the second half. They only the 49ers only score three points in the second half of this game, of course, excluding overtime. And last week in Seattle, they score no points in the second half of the game. That's a problem. You've got to clean up the second half uh, of your game in order to get victories and pile victories on and not put yourself in this type of a situation. But I was talking with Joe and Dante and Takiyo on the postgame show about it. And it was more of a moral victory They obviously get the win, but the manner in which they did it. So you go down, you fight, you're in overtime. And if you were to lose that game, you could tailspin as a team. And so for the 49ers to leave Cincinnati with a win, come back to Levi's Stadium, face a a Falcons team that does play well on the road, but that isn't their best sell them their best selves is that a their best selves yeah the, the falcons sure. aren't their best yes. selves we always
1: we always try to be our best selves
0: <laughs> and they're not this season although they they're not a bad football team anyway they've got um the falcons at home at Levi Stadium the crowd and now the momentum in their favor so that was a long way of saying Nick Bosa was a big part of the reason the 49ers didn't lose on Sunday.
1: Yeah it was it was an amazing game 49ers had the 14 point lead through the fourth quarter and the 49ers pass defense which I'm still kind of amazed at their pass defense like I was expecting the Bengals to just run all over the 49ers in a passing sense not physically run over them with the ground game but through the air and yes Joe Burrow ended up having a a good game statistically through for a lot of yards. The 49ers gave up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter, but it took them so long to kind of figure it out too. And these are two very similar teams, the 49ers and the Bengals. And I mean, you look at Joe Burrow and Jimmy Garoppolo and their stats leading into this game were pretty similar. And then their stats on Sunday, very similar. Jimmy Garoppolo had an amazing overtime period. He completed all six of his passes for 72 yards for the game, 27 of 41 for 296, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Joe Burrow, 20, uh, what was it? 25 of 34 for 348, two touchdowns, no interceptions. Um, the 49ers win this game in a way where I'm sitting there. I was standing on the field for the last half quarter of this game, about midway through the fourth quarter. I went in there and it just looked to me like this was the kind of game that that the 2021 49ers would lose. And it, it looked like it was just going downhill very quickly. But uh Fred Warner, in watching Fred Warner doing the coin toss at midfield, like when when the frontiers lost the coin toss, you should have seen him. He was like so oh, disappointed.
0: I did. I saw
1: him. Yeah, and I well, asked. And they him. they lost the game. Yeah, I asked him afterward about the coin toss, and he says, "Oh, I take a lot of pride in my in my ability to call the right <laughs> the heads or tails." Um, and then in the, every
0: aspect of Fred Warner's game, he takes pride, including the coin toss.
1: Yeah, including the coin toss. Well, the defense did well enough to hold the Bengals to a field goal, which kept the 49ers in it. And then the 49ers take over. And here I think is the important part of this week three, the 49ers had a chance to go down, win the game against the Packers. Jimmy Garoppolo took them down. They scored the go ahead points. But what happened? He goes out the window because the Packers end up scoring the field goal with no time left to win the game. Yep. Then last week in Seattle, the 49ers had an opportunity to go down there, potentially tie the game, perhaps send it into overtime. What happened? They get stopped short. So they didn't. They had two opportunities where they moved the ball successfully. And in the case of the Packers game, they put the ball you know, in, the, in the end zone for the points. Um, and then the defense gave it up. In the case of Seattle, they just they got about as far as they could without actually finishing the deal. This time, they finished the deal. And one of the things that Garoppolo said was when they were talking about this in the huddle or on the sideline, it was like, hey, guys, we've been in this situation before. Let's go finish it. And they finished it. So with this victory for the 49ers in overtime at Cincinnati, the 49ers are now seven and six. So they move from the number seven seed right now into the number six seed and Yes, I'm sure this was a very frustrating game for the final, you know, through the fourth quarter and into the into overtime. But ultimately, the only thing that matters is what we talked about right here on 49ers Talk brought to you by Big O Tires is that the 49ers escape Cincinnati with a 26-23 victory.
0: And they do so without their running game, which is what worked in their wins this season. Their run game has kept their offense alive. And on Sunday, the 49ers as a team had 23 carries for hundred yards. It was Jeff Wilson Jr. who led the team with 13 carries for 56 yards. But this was a game that George Kittle put on his back offensively and carried him. He tried to do it in Seattle. He had an impressive game there, two touchdowns, was it nine receptions, 181 yards. On Sunday against the Bengals, Kittle has 13 receptions, 151 yards, and a touchdown. And it was really that overtime drive. We saw Juwan Jennings get involved. Brandon Ayuk catches the overtime game-winning touchdown. And George Kittle has two critical plays on that final drive, Uh, a 21-yard catch and then Jimmy G finds George on third and five for 12 yards. And you can just see when Kittle and Jimmy have that connection, which is almost every time George Kittle's out on the field that, you know, Elijah Mitchell wasn't a part of the 49ers game on Sunday against the Bengals. So how were they going to use Debo and how are they going to use George Kittle? And he just continues to impress me so much. The, the way in which he plays, he refuses to be stopped. It's a it's almost a mental battle between him and the opposing defense. It's like he's got him beat in his head before he even makes a catch.
1: And George Kittle did it, you know, late in the fourth quarter and into overtime. Remember, he had to catch it late in the the fourth quarter. That could have won the game for the 49ers, but Robbie Gold missed the field goal. But then um, you know, he was banged up. He said that the the turf here at Cincinnati's Paul Brown Stadium is hard as a rock. I think he called it concrete. And so he was kind of aching through this game. We'll see if there's any lingering effects out of this, but I, I just want to take you through that final drive. Cause I think it is important just how the 49ers move the ball down the field. And you mentioned some of this uh, Kittle starts off with an eight yard reception. Then he gets called for a false start. So that pushes them back and then Kittle makes that deep throw to Juwan Jennings. And what a tough catch that was for him, 23 yards. And then right back to Kittle for 21 Then, uh, Jamichael Hasty with a three yard reception, Debo Samuel with a two yard run, and that sets up one of the plays of the game third and five from the Cincinnati 21. So, the 49ers are in field goal territory at that point, they don't want to settle for a field goal, trust me. And then it's third and five, and Kittle finds or Kittle finds an opening in the Bengals defense, and Jimmy Garoppolo just really fits in a nice pass, a pass that Kittle said he wasn't expecting. He just didn't think that the pass would go there. He's happy it did. Everybody's happy it did with the 49ers because it goes for nine yards and a first down, and then the 49ers have the ball at the 12-yard line, and originally it, it was an 11-yard reception uh, on, a, on a nice bootleg kind of misdirection. But then you watch Brandon Ayuk. He stayed in bounds, and he just kind of – maneuvered his way kind of like Nick Bosa going around the edge against an offensive lineman he found a way to get into the end zone and and that probably made it up for uh, a, a nice um, payback for for Brandon Ayuk who didn't get the touchdown earlier in the game because he couldn't get that second foot inbounds but the touchdown and I was right down there and he was excited and Debo, Samuel was excited and Kittle was excited. Kittle had a word with the, the official on that side. Kittle said afterward that the official told him uh, after George said that was a touchdown, the official said no, 0% chance that it was a touchdown. Well, upon review, 100% chance.
0: Yeah. And Kyle Shanahan wouldn't celebrate. Devo talked about that after the game. He said, I'm not celebrating until, you know, the official call comes back and you could tell the team. I mean, that was such a defining moment for the 49ers. And, And really, when you look at the remainder of their season, four games remaining on the season, and this could boost them to have that momentum that they need for the end of the, for the remainder of the season. I mean, you've got to Tough out these last few games. And one other thing that was surprising is that Kyle Shanahan said he didn't think Brandon Ayuk was going to get a touchdown there. He wasn't expecting that the way in which Brandon Ayuk fought for the the points and fought for his team. You could tell how much respect he earned in Kyle Shanahan's eyes, too.
1: Yeah, we got a lot to talk about and we're just beginning the breakdown of the 49ers 26-23 victory in overtime against the Cincinnati Bengals and we'll return right after this word from Big O Tires.
0: Did you know that the warranty from a tire manufacturer could be voided if your car is out of alignment? At Big O Tires, we install and maintain every tire we sell and offer critical services like alignments. Here at Big O, everything we do is to protect you and your car. Big O Tires, the team you trust.
1: We are back on 49ers Talk, and Lori, I just want to um, you know, spend a little bit of time about there was a tragedy that happened to the 49ers family over the weekend. Dante Johnson uh, left the team on Friday and traveled back home to the East Coast, and his mother had suffered a heart attack, and he was with her on Sunday morning when she passed away. And so that's why Dante wasn't at the game. He would have started. Um, and so certainly our, our hearts go out to Dante and, and the family and his mom, Holly Garner. Um, so a very difficult situation. Dante's a very well-respected guy on this 49ers team. So, um, you know, a lot of guys were – they felt good that they were able to get the victory – and they felt horribly that their teammate, a guy who's been around for a while, and you know everybody has a lot of respect for Dante Johnson. So certainly our our hearts go out, and our thoughts go out to uh, Dante Johnson and his family. Um, the 49ers came into this game with already kind of a shortage of running backs and a shortage of cornerbacks, and. I mean, they they made it work. You know, they they made it work. It wasn't wasn't always pretty. Um, Ambry Thomas got his first career start, and he had a couple of illegal hands to the face penalties that wiped out some big plays for the 49ers. It wiped out a uh, Jimmy Ward interception. It wiped out the first Nick Bosa sack. But I remember thinking he'll probably get an opportunity or two more for – for sacks and certainly he did. He got two sacks, including the the big one you mentioned. But you know I think all in all, I mean the 49ers averaged 4.3 yards rushing, so they were able to do it with Jeff Wilson and Debo Samuel. Um, and you look over at the Bengals side. You know the Bengals only averaged 3.3 yards rushing per attempt, so the 49ers kind of won that area of the game. Um, the passing side, like I said, the the Frenners problems with their defensive backfield really didn't show up until the fourth quarter. And then it yeah. showed up, you know, with Josh Norman giving up a play and Ambry Thomas giving up a play.
0: Yeah. Jamar chase only had five receptions for 77 yards in this entire game and granted his third reception of the game, just his third reception in the fourth quarter was a 17 yard touchdown and his fifth reception of the game was that other fourth, fourth quarter touchdown, a 32 yard touchdown. So that's pretty impressive that they were able to stave off a guy as talented as Jamar chase. Now, of course, At the end of the day, they gave up two touchdowns to him. So, you know, whether it comes in the first quarter or the fourth quarter, what does it matter? But T. Higgins has five receptions for 114 yards, but they're able to keep him out of the end zone. And Tyler Boyd, Boyd, rather, four receptions for 55 yards. So I was overall, like you said, I was expecting the 49ers secondary to have problems earlier on in the game. And I was impressed that they were able to, to... hold off the Bengals receiving, this could have been way worse. This could have been way worse.
1: You would have thought, yeah. And I mean, for the 49ers to hold the Bengals to 20 points in regulation, you know, they would have taken that. They would have taken that like right now. And um, I mean, they held them to six points through the fourth quarter or into the fourth quarter. And it wasn't until, what, nine minutes left in the game where the Bengals score their first touchdown of the game. So... I mean it it was a uh, it wasn't perfect really in either phase or all e- any of the three phases you know the offense kind of went dormant in the second half but in overtime when their backs were against the wall they did what they had to do they scored the winning touchdown the, I feel the-
0: like people are probably frustrated with that though it's like why wait until that moment why do you have to have your back against the wall jimmy you know, to perform that well, because he's obviously capable of it. And I think that's where people get confused and frustrated with Jimmy Garoppolo.
1: I'll tell you another place where they get confused and frustrated was when the 49ers got the ball back at the end of regulation, he darn near threw a pick six. And it it was a play where we've seen Garoppolo make those kinds of mistakes earlier, um, quite, you know, frequently, in fact where he just didn't see the guy in coverage there. And it could have easily been a pick six, but the bottom line, it wasn't. He was given another opportunity at the end of, uh, or in, in overtime and he took him down there, but the, the offense wasn't perfect. The defense was pretty good for most of the game. And then it certainly wasn't perfect and special teams, uh, special teams, last week was the reason the 49ers lost that game or certainly one of the one of the main reasons the 49ers lost that game well through the bad that the Bengals did on special teams and I guess the good that the 49ers did River Craycraft with the fumble recovery Trent Sherfield
0: yeah
1: Uh, Trent Sherfield with the fumble recovery that's 10 points right there that the 49ers got because of their special teams but then you know, they missed the field goal at the end of regulation, and and they just made it a little bit more exciting. This was not a great game. This was not a real exciting from beginning to end game like that game in Seattle, but they got the job done.
0: Well, in the end, makes up for it. That made it exciting enough. to keep you on the edge of your seat to push it into overtime and then I just I think that Nick Bosa's sack was really what turned the game for the 49ers they wouldn't have had a chance had the Bengals gone down and scored a touchdown in overtime so it gave them the opportunity to put the game in their hands and see what they could do with it and Jimmy Garoppolo comes through George Kittle, Juwan Jennings um Brandon Ayuk, they come through and the 49ers get a win now I will say Jimmy Garoppolo was under a lot of pressure he, he got sacked five times the 49ers did plenty of sacking of Joe Burrow too but he was under a lot of pressure and I did did you see in the game some where he looked like he, he might have been limping a little bit I'm wondering what's going to happen there
1: he looked good after the game but then okay. again Jimmy Garoppolo always looks good after okay. the game <laughs>
0: Leave it to Matt Maocco to break down the game in that fashion. Us
1: us Italians got to hang together. Us paisans got to hang together. And uh, speaking of Jimmy, you know, taking his lumps and George Kittle, taking his lumps, 49ers talk is brought to you by FitAid. FitAid fuels your body with complete sports recovery, using the power of targeted supplements and vitamins, train hard, recover fast. And the 49ers are certainly glad that they don't have to recover fast from what would have been another just devastating gut punch of a loss. And Hey, the 49ers took that loss to Seattle. They took it hard, but it, it took, you know, they've experienced this. So they know that, I mean, it is the, the NFL season is a roller coaster. And Fred Warner said that he felt pretty good that as bad as that game was, as bad as that loss was to Seattle, When the team showed up to practice on Wednesday, he felt good that, okay, we're in the right mental frame of mind here to get after this. So um, it's one of those things, man. I've said it before, but there was a lot of good from this game. There was plenty for Kyle Shanahan and his coaching staff to kind of figure out and and fix. so that's the best way, right? I, you, you called it, and it was kind of funny you, you termed it in this way, Laura. It was kind of a moral victory for them while also getting the real victory.
0: Yeah, exactly. It's moral and a, an actual victory, an actual W in the win column. And and the 49ers, you mentioned it off the top of the podcast. They move up to the sixth seed in the NFC playoff picture. And it's anyone's game right now. The, the NFL doesn't have a team that just stands out far and away above The rest of of the nfl i think that this is an opportunity for the 49ers to kind of grab the bull by the horns and say what are we capable of over these last four games and next up it's the atlanta falcons and the falcons will look to continue their dominance on the road this season they're six and two away from atlanta so this is a team that comes into levi stadium six and seven and they're not a, a bad football team you've got uh a guy that's very familiar with Matt Ryan, Kyle Shanahan obviously ran the offense there in Atlanta. And, and so he's going to be very familiar. And I think that is one of the benefits you kind of wonder like who has the benefit in that type of a relationship. Is it Matt Ryan? Cause he knows Kyle Shanahan very well, or is it Kyle Shanahan who knows Matt Ryan very well? I think the advantage goes to the coach who's calling the plays, who's deciding kind of knows all of Matt Ryan's ticks. So it'll be interesting to see the game plan that Shanahan comes up with and D'Amico Ryan's obviously defensively comes up with to combat Matt Ryan.
1: Yeah, it should be interesting. And we're going to wrap this thing up on 49ers talk right after this word. The holidays are finally here and so is Toyota-Thon. It's time to shop all of Toyota's hybrid models with amazing plug-free MPG. And no one has a better selection than Toyota with an industry-leading 10 hybrids, like the 36 MPG all-wheel drive Highlander Hybrid, the 40 MPG all-wheel drive RAV4 Hybrid, and the 52 MPG Camry Hybrid. With less time filling up at the pump, you'll have more time to enjoy the open road. Toyota-Thon is on. Hurry in now. New Toyotas are arriving daily. Toyota. Let's go places. Mileage claims are EPA estimates. Actual mileage will vary. We are back on 49ers talk and uh, be sure to uh, subscribe and uh, leave a rating review for 49ers talk. If you're so inclined and check out the last podcast we did, we have Steve Young on and he was so insightful. And one of the things he said was that for the 49ers to make a run, Jimmy Garoppolo has to play like a pro bowl quarterback. And I'm not sure that Jimmy Garoppolo played like a a pro bowl quarterback for most of the game on Sunday. But in crunch time, he came through, the 49ers came through, the defense came through with a good enough stop, right? To give the the offense the opportunity to go win the game. Uh, special teams got a couple of takeaways. Well, again, not a perfect game all the way around, but it was good enough for the 49ers to leave Cincinnati with the victory, the 26-23 overtime victory. And now – I mean, we are in the home stretch of the season.
0: And it was and- weird. I was looking at the remaining schedule, and I, I counted it three times. I was like, like "There the- aren't just four games left on this. That's just four games. There are just four games remaining the season."
1: Yeah, I, I think there's going to be more than four.
0: Well, in-, in the regular season.
1: Yes. Well, that's I know. I know what you meant, but um, a friend of mine texted me right after the game and said, hey, I think you are wise to book that room in Green Bay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we did. Did we talk about that on the podcast? I can't remember. We did,
1: yeah. I think we did, yeah.
0: So, who looks smart now?
1: No, we'll see. We'll see. see. Yeah, we'll see. TBD, TBD. Part of the reason, I think I said this, rooms in Green Bay are so difficult to come by. So, that's the one team that the 49ers could go to where I figured I better get on that right away Matt but I, only
0: stays at the finest hotels oh yeah
1: if you've been to the finest hotels in Green Bay now you're living let me tell you uh, but I, I do think that this game it's like we could probably say this about like every game um, over the past you know month month and a half is that this game's important coming up against the Atlanta Falcons I, I really think If the 49ers beat the Falcons, it would take something extraordinary or extraordinary, however you want to pronounce that word. It would take something really big, disastrous for the 49ers not to make the playoffs. I think they would set themselves up and be in a very good situation because, just a reminder, they've already beaten the Vikings. They've already beaten the Eagles. And then if they were to beat the Falcons, that would be three teams that they would basically hold the, the head-to-head tiebreaker over. And, and, and really time would be running out on those other teams to try to leapfrog the 49ers and get into the playoffs. But
0: um, Yeah, but it's not a situation. Let's be real with people. This is not a situation where their backs against the wall, and that's not what you're saying. But I think the 49ers will take this opportunity. They missed it against the, against Seattle. Mm-hmm. They missed an an easy win and this is not going to be a walk in the park for for the 49ers when the Falcons yeah. come to town but I think they are going to take the lessons from that missed opportunity in Seattle and apply them to this Falcons game and they talked about controlling their own destiny. They've been asked about that, you know, over the past few weeks in pressers throughout the week. And that is the best situation to be in. When you control your own destiny, well, how are you going to handle that? And how are you going to control it? Well, you control it by going out and getting a win over the Falcons. But it's definitely not a back against the wall, must win, do or die type of situation for the Niners. I think they're going to take that and put that on themselves and say, if we go out and get a win against the Falcons, we've got a little bit more leeway for the remainder of the season.
1: Hey, Lori, can you help me out a little bit?
0: I don't know. Is it a math problem? No.
1: No, it, but it's a grading problem.
0: Oh, so I, I, I'm pretty I good at that. Got to sit down and
1: do the grades for yeah. the Forty ers And so, I, I, here, here's what I have so far, I haven't sent it in yet, so it's not official. But this, when we talk this through, it'll become official. Okay. Rush rushing offense. I have a B. You know, I, I think that yeah, they, they didn't have the huge number of yards or the, a lot of carries, but a 4.3 average and in, in how the Bengals were playing them defensively, I'm thinking a B. And I'm thinking it's
0: definitely not a C. No. So a B, B minus B B minus. Yeah. yeah,
1: Maybe right around there. And, and passing offense, I kind of thinking the same thing, you know, they, they didn't turn the ball over, which is a big thing. You know, they gave up some sacks, they made the plays at the end. So I'm kind of thinking in that B range too, I think I'm just a straight B for the passing offense. I mean, George Kittle was so good. Did we mention of his 13 receptions? He only had 15 targets and one of them was that play where it sure looked to me like he got interfered with where the defensive back had his left to make a
0: one-handed cat. Yeah. He tried, I mean.
1: Yeah. So I'm given, I'm given the, the passing offensive B um, the rushing o- defense. I'm going to give an A. I, I thought yeah. they were really good, you know, as far as just kind of clogging things up for Joe Mixon, he couldn't really get going. And then the passing defense is one that I'm, I'm going to struggle with a little bit just because I mean, if you go into this game and you're thinking that 49ers are going to give up only two touchdowns in the game.
0: Yeah, this is hard. We do need to yeah. talk this out.
1: Yeah. Cause I just think that, I mean, especially with everything going on with, with Emmanuel Mosley going on IR, he's going to miss at least three games. Mm-hmm. Dante Johnson, uh, you know, everybody feels so bad for Dante and his family. He wasn't here at the game. Um, you know, their, their issues in the secondary only really showed up. Well, at the most important time, I guess, but late
0: in the game. So then how do you judge that? I mean, do you Uh, normally, when you're grading, you obviously have to grade the whole package.
1: Yeah. I I think I'm going to give them a B minus that might, I I just, I just think all things considered when you have to turn to as many backup players as they've turned to, I, I just think in the overall, the overall scope of things, the past defense played well enough to win this game.
0: Let me give you one nugget that maybe could drop it down to a C plus. Okay. So Joe Burrow leads the NFL heading into week 14. He led the NFL in interceptions with 14 okay. and the 49ers passing defense, not able to take advantage of that.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's so true. I think that that's, that's true.
0: You would, I was expecting even with all of the players out in the secondary, the 49ers, passing defense to be able to take advantage of him at least one interception for the guy yeah. who leads the NFL in interceptions. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. Okay. So either C plus or B minus. B minus. How's that?
0: Yeah. I think B minus? one of those, I, th- I, th- I
1: think I'm going to go B minus just because I think that we shouldn't judge them. I don't know. I, I mean, there, there's so many reasons for them to have just gotten torched and yes, they did get torched at some opportune times, but I think when you when you look at it, when you take the thirty thousand foot view, and you say that the Bengals were only able to score two touchdowns in the entire game, the, if you told the Bengals that they were going to score two touchdowns in this game, they would not have been happy. They would not have wanted that. But that's exactly what happened. And then we look at uh, the other elements of this game: special teams. I think I'll give that I might give that a uh either a – I think maybe a B because the two takeaways those were huge. They also had of course the the um
0: missed field goal the, by the Robbie missed Gould. Field
1: goal that was big. So game they, winning yeah,
0: field goal. Yeah, I think goal. I think B's fair especially coming from what they came from. Right. And, and they and the Bengals missed a
1: field goal too. Yep.
0: Yeah, a big part of the victory was the 49ers taking advantage of uh, the, the special teams creating opportunities recovering fumbles. Yeah. River Craycraft starts off the game recovering a Darius Phillips fumble and I think that sets the tone for the game. that sets the the tone for the 49ers offense. all right. our special teams is doing work. Let's get out here and make yep. something of this opportunity. I,
1: it just dawned on me. I, I think this was a B game. you know, I don't think the four, the 49ers did not play their best game. They didn't play anywhere near their worst game. They were it was kind of a B level. It was a uh, you know coaching. Overall, I think it's all Bs. It might just be Bs across the board because they still, in spite of everything, they went on the road, they bounced back from a heartbreaking loss, and they beat a team that entering the day was in the AFC playoff picture. So the Bengals aren't slouches. They have a lot of firepower. We all saw that. 49ers win. 49ers won the game. So – There's something to be said for that. And it wasn't pretty. It certainly wasn't pretty. But bottom line, it was effective.
0: It was effective. And bottom line, they have 24 hours to celebrate. And then on to the next. And next week, it's Levi Stadium. You guys know what to do. Come out and see us at Levi's Stadium. If you go to the game for real, though, I don't think we've talked about this in a while. We're out there by the Dwight Clark statue at Levi stadium. So come by and, and join the party. We've got a nice crew that joins, joins us every week. It's going to be our show starts an hour before. So it's at noon is when we'll be out there next Sunday. So stop by, say hi.
1: Things are heating up and the final four weeks of the regular season should be highly entertaining because these games have been entertaining uh, haven't always gone the way that uh, fans have wanted them to. But even this game Sunday in Cincinnati was kind of kind of a snooze fest for a lot of the game. But, man, when it got going, it got going. And this one turned out the way the 49ers wanted. And I'm sure it was a very nice plane ride home. Thanks for listening to 49ers Talk with Matt Mayoko and Laura Britt. Please rate, review, and subscribe for free on your podcast provider. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way.